It's time for the Fantasy Points Podcast, brought to you by FantasyPoints.com. Top-level fantasy football and NFL betting analysis from every perspective and angle, from numbers to the film room, with a single goal to help you score more fantasy points. Welcome in to another episode of the Take Talk Podcast. I am your host, Brett Whitefield, with my co-host, Stephen O'Rourke, and our guest today, who is a fellow Fantasy Points guy. This is his second appearance on the show. We have Chris Wecht. What's up, Chris and Steve? Hey, what's up? going on, guys? Excited to be back on with you. Yeah, man. Um, we are excited to have you. I know we've been doing, you know, making like a, a map around the world with our Friday guests, but I figured it was a good time to have you back. It's been about a month. So, yeah. Uh, a lot changed since the last time I was on here. Still a lot of bad <laughs> football being played, but a lot of different things about teams have changed since the last time I was on here to talk about it. I think it's last crazy. time I think last time we were talking about Wentz actually playing pretty well. Ooh. And that is definitely not <laughs> definitely not the case anymore. It's crazy too cuz this is technically we tried to do the Friday pod. The initial goal was to do a preview pod. But every week we look at the schedule and we're just like there's like one or two games we're talking about. There's a lot of bad football being played right now and so this this episode has evolved into a lot of things. We've talked some fantasy, we've talked some college football, some team building stuff, but yeah, man. A lot has definitely changed, but one thing that is consistent is the the less than savory play week to week. So um do you think we're just snobs at this point or what like what's going on? <laughs> I don't think it's just us. I feel like this is a pretty large sentiment throughout the football community. I feel like a lot of people are asking the same questions of why, you know, why is offensive scoring down? Why, why does it seem like we have some of the worst QB play we've ever had? Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's just us. It's just, it's just, I think offenses are going through a transition period where defenses have caught up a little bit to them and we're just, they're yeah, just working happen. through the growing pains. The, the scales definitely tip back and forth. When you say football community, though, are you talking like football Twitter or your average viewer? I was more talking football t- Twitter because yeah. you know we basically live <laughs> in that. <laughs> I don't know about the average person. I don't. I don't talk so, to normal football yeah. people anymore. I know right. that's well, that's the thing. Is like I think about it and I'm like, yeah, I guess I really don't. I don't like sit and ask people who just watch football casually. Like, what do you think of football so far this year? <laughs> Cause like we live in, we live in such this echo chamber of just like having these thoughts of like offenses are terrible. Defenses are great. Like football season's terrible so far. And like, I mean, I obviously fall into this. I looked at the, this week's slate and I was like, Oh my gosh, like (laughs) it's embarrassing. embarrassing How, how like uninteresting a lot of these games are, but I don't know if the average, average football fan is just, still at the point where they're like all right football that's all, and that's all they care about i do think that's that's accurate so football twitter for sure we're all kind of that's why i said are we just snobs or or what and i think it is part of that cuz when i talk to like even my dad for example who he's a huge football fan i'm in a, a a dynasty league with actually chris is in that league as well it's a pretty competitive league even though it's about 50% football people and 50% casual fans Right. 
when I talk to those guys, though, it's like they're not a, they're not aware of what we see. Like, we, like I'll get texts from friends and family like after the pod, and they're like, "Man, you guys talk about football just being bad." And like, I don't get it. Like, what's <laughs> why is it so bad? And I'm like, just watch it. <laughs> but, <laughs> right there in front of you. So it makes because we are like once you kind of work in the space, you are definitely in like a bubble. You know, you're you're insulated to like normal people thoughts and. Just like go listen to talk radio in your local town. Oof. Like, I don't know. Yeah, they yeah they it, probably aren't complaining <laughs> nearly like we are. No, they also they, they we don't have the option to not watch uh, Commanders Bears Thursday night football <laughs> right and then multiple times at that. Yeah. So they can they can choose to tune in when they want to tune in, whereas our entire that's bubble true too. Feel, whether we they have whether everybody ha- like we chart every game so we watch obviously have to watch but even the people that are in our industry that don't necessarily have to chart and watch every game they still feel like they need to because it's a it's an obsession obviously yeah. so, well so for like my dad's point of view he he loves watching guys on his fantasy teams right so he has Kyler Murray in the league he definitely sat down and watched last night's game you know like that's just I feel like that's not abnormal though and so. But I, I planted the flag last week with that Commanders Bears game. I said I'm I'm not watching this live because I'm gonna have to watch it four or five times for work. So I'm not watching this live, and I didn't. I, I mean, I I watched maybe the last five or six minutes of that game live. But yeah, well, it's transition then. So did you guys tune in last night? Did you watch? I did watch. Um, I I was actually. Excited to watch this game. I, I thought it was one of the better Thursday night matchups we've had probably since, what was that, Chargers-Chiefs back in like week week two? Yeah. I think it was. Um, so I thought it was an interesting team. The, I mean, the Cardinals were going through some pretty rough offensive stretches here before this game and started to look <laughs> better this week. Uh, but they still are an interesting team, more or less. And the Saints are just like a, they are, they're something. So that actually got me thinking with last night's game. And it kind of also ties in with the Christian McCaffrey trade. Are the Saints the most delusional franchise in the NFL? <laughs> and the reason I say it ties in with the Niners as well is I don't think they're far behind. They're, they're, I just, I'll hear what you guys say first, and then I'll I'll tell you why I was thinking this. Okay, well we'll get to the Niners. I, I know what you're thinking. It's like the Saints made a bunch of investments for this year, presumably, and then yeah. they're just not very good for whatever reason. So, but it goes and, uh, and okay. even even then you can still go back and like I don't know to even those late breeze years. Like there was a little bit of yeah. There's a little bit of delusion there as far as like you saw it the last like two to three years with Breeze, like the A dot was like plummeting. He just couldn't make some of the throws. And I still think that they were kind of they were still kind of investing in the short term in spots. And like I don't know. Yeah, I that's a good question because it is funny. Cause like in a way they are like everybody. I feel like everybody else saw this team and was like, Ooh, this is a transition team. But the saints had J they had Jameis rolling healthy. And they, I think that they thought that, all right, this is, a, this is a year to go all in. Yeah. It's, it's not even the, it's not even the assets they trade 
traded for the future. I think that's definitely a major part of it, but it goes down to the coaching level. The fact that Taysom Hill isn't as involved in this offense as he is every week, <laughs> like, so he's so they gave him a shot to be their starting QB, and they said, "Now you're not good enough to do that." So then, so then they pretty much just use him as a gadget player, which is is fine. You want to QB sneak with him here and there. You want to have him play, but he plays like this middle ground of snaps. Like he's right. he's out there too much, but not enough. It's it's like they said, <laughs> "You're not you're not good enough to be our QB all the time, but you're good enough." For us to waste snaps on you more than we probably should when guys like Alvin Kamara aren't getting the touches that they probably should. Chris Olave's looked great so far. Obviously, Michael Thomas is hurt right now, but when he was healthy, he he was playing well. It's just they just yeah. there there's so many decisions that they make from their GM, the way their GM operated with trading these future picks, and their coaching seems to operate their off. It it just makes no sense. Ke- Kevin White was playing significant snaps last night. <laughs> did you guys know Kevin White was still in the league before last not. night? Because I did not. I, like before they announced his name, I like looked at it and I'm like, White. I'm like, I'm like, White, White. Who would this be? And I was like, Oh my gosh, I think that's Kevin White. And then they said it, and I was like, Oh my, like, I think that was his first reception since 2019 in a regular season game. And he had been like he was on the practice squad. <laughs> he looked explosive as heck. I he know he, had, he his acceleration was awesome. He caught that ball and he turned up the field, and that was then that's not a lot of guys can do that. So he'll probably right. be starting for them moving forward because he showed <laughs> some explosiveness on one play. They seem to have really prioritized explosive ability with the receiver core lately. Like they have him, they have. Is it Rashid Shahid? Yep. That dude is a freak. And then they got Olave, who's also a, a sprinter. Like, these guys are all super explosive. They're kind of building. It seems like they're building the receiver core that way. I like it. Oh, Deontay Hardy as well is a very explosive guy. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you guys this, though. So, they probably are pretty delusional. I, I for sure agree with that. They've terrible management of, of draft assets over the years. Weird contracts to kind of keep the band together. Taysom Hill being the the main one there. Do you think that 2017 draft class, probably the best draft class in the history of modern NFL, did that set them up for failure? Even though they they hit on every single pick, so they they drafted seven guys in that draft. All seven of them are starters in the NFL, and four of them are all pro caliber players. So you have Marshawn Lattimore with their first pick. Ryan Ramchick. Ramchick's one of the best tackles in the league. Lattimore is capable of being one of the best corners in the league. I know he's pretty up and down based on his mood, it seems like. Uh, Marcus Williams, phenomenal deep safety. Alvin Kamara, obviously great running back. Alex Anzalone, you know, he's a starting linebacker in Detroit. Not a very good player, but he's not like, you know, bottom of the barrel either. Trey Hendrickson is a, a very formidable pass rusher. Wouldn't say he's like an elite tier guy, but he's a very, very good player. And then uh, Al Qadin Muhammad, who's he's starting every game in Chicago right now. I mean, the, this this is an insane draft class. Yeah, that's literally insane. hit on all seven players. Like you don't typically draft seven guys and, and they all turn out to be starters in the NFL. Let alone four of those guys being all pro caliber starters. I mean, it's that's a ridiculous draft class. So. I kind of feel like the Saints were on the downturn and then they hit that draft class and it re kind of 
repropelled them into, you know, pretty being pretty good. And then they started making, that's when the bad decisions started happening, right? They traded um, a future first to move up in the first for Marcus Davenport. Then, so they didn't have a first the next year. And then they traded up in the first again for Cesar Ruiz, which I think cost them a second round pick. Um, and then obviously this year, trading up for Olave, trading up for Penning. Now they have, what, a top three pick next year that's going to uh, Philly? Chris? Yep. Yeah. Top. Yeah, it's not. I think it's I mean, obviously nobody else has played this week yet, but I think it's four overall right now. Yeah. All the while doing this, you know, knowing they had a, a severely aging quarterback who was on the way out and then trying to band-aid that with guys like Jameis Winston, Taysom Hill, and Andy Dalton. It's like it's it's almost – it's like a, a mood disorder, Chris. Like they're delusional in that they thought they were capable of winning, yet they they banked that on the heels of Winston, Dalton, and Hill. That's a really weird contradiction to me. And I still think that that's part of where the delusion comes in is that they thought that their system and things like that, I think that they thought that they didn't need an elite quarterback to get them to like the playoffs or anything. They thought that this was a roster that could take an average to semi below average quarterback and elevate them to the playoffs. Yeah. So that, that, that draft class was, they were coming off of a playoff appearance, right? They were still like pretty, if I they, had gone, right. they had gone to uh, seven and nine in the year before in 2016. Okay. So the, all right. So then they came back. All right. So you're right, Brett, the, when they drafted that class, that, that kind of pushed them back into playoff contention, but that, 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 so the names you listed off all, like you said, very solid players, but think of a lot of those are also probably positions that a rebuilding team shouldn't be investing in. Marshawn Lattimore is a corner, totally fine. A bad, you know, bad teams need to build secondary. Taking offensive line help is never a bad thing. But never. then Marcus Williams is probably not the – a safety is probably not the best pick for a rebuilding team. A running back for sure isn't. So while, yes, the 2017 class seemed to have pushed them back into relevance, it also – they were being delusional when they picked a lot of those players too in the state of their team at that time. Breeze was still pretty good then. They probably thought they could turn things around. But those aren't the positions that you really want to turn your team around quickly and get you to a Super Bowl. Right. The the Camara pick, too, is interesting because they still had a a youngish Mark Ingram on the team who they selected in the first round. Yep. And who was playing, who was starting to kind of come into his own at that point and was playing pretty well. Yeah. And was Darren Sproles still there? Was he on the Eagles by then? I don't remember. Oh, I don't know. Um, But. Regardless, they've had they've had success getting stuff out of pretty much any back that they put in that system, dating back to to the Sproles, Ingram, uh, Reggie Bush. Um, pretty pretty much anybody has done well there. So investing in Camara, while yes, absolutely a great player, probably not the best pick they could have made at the time. Yeah, um, right. Trying to <laughs> Cooper, Cooper Cup went two picks after. Um, that certainly would have done much more than Kamara's done for them. Um, there's a lot of misses, obviously, too, that went after Kamara, but Chris Godwin, another one. Yeah, I mean, Kamara, 
I thought they got good value on him. I was huge on him that year. Um, absolute baller of a of a player, and he did a lot for them early on in his career. Obviously, they're. I don't think he's quite the same guy. Um, but let's let's fast forward to this season. What what do you guys think is going wrong? Because this team, while I do think there's a a good element of delusion with how they performed this year, I didn't expect this bad. I thought their defense would be really really good. That secondary was supposed to be pretty good. Well, they ended up losing Marcus Williams and Chauncey Gardner Johnson, which that that's probably the death nail for them at this point. Um, they've had a ton of injuries in the secondary, though. You know, corners. Mm-hmm. I think yeah, their corners were they missing. Nice. Were they missing all three of their starting corners? Like yes, week and, one starting corners yesterday? Yeah, and Roby got hurt in on like the first drive. Bradley, Roby. yeah. So they yeah, were down. Was their, yeah. yeah, Chris Harris was playing on the outside with Alante Taylor on the other side, and I forget who was mostly playing in the slot for them. Um, but yeah, they were down to the bare bones. Yeah, so that that's been a huge problem. Um, but I mean, outside of Lattimore, are there other corners like? Aren't haven't been good even, even their starting quarter. Yeah, Debo's not has not played he's well. Been, he's this arguably year. been the worst corner in the NFL. Yeah, which doesn't make sense because he looked pretty good last year. Yeah, so not I, great, I'm not going to kill. Yeah, bad. I wouldn't kill them no. for thinking that. Okay, we've got a solid corner starting duo. We've got losing Marcus Williams and Chauncey Gardner Johnson was probably too much for their safety core to t- to handle in one season. Yeah, um, and on the offensive side of the ball, they lost um, Taron Armstead. Yep, that's so, what I mean, Trevor Penning was supposed to fill the void of. Right, and this goes back to things Steve and I have talked about with the Chargers. It's like when you lose, like losing players' injury is one thing. Losing some of your best, like three or four of your best players, is it's hard to overcome. And they lost, yeah, not necessarily by injury, but they lost Williams, Chauncey Gardner Johnson, and Taron Armstead. Um, that's that's not good for. I, I think they probably underrated the impact that those moves would have on their team. Yeah. So then, in, in your opinion, should they should they be doing? Should they basically say do what the Panthers are doing right now and say, look, we may, we screwed up, we made a mistake. Let's try to salvage what we can out of some of the maybe older players that we still have. Yeah, after after last that. night, I f- I for sure would. I mean, they're two and five. It's they're not it's not looking good. They have limited assets next year, right? As we've already discussed, so maybe they definitely you... You should go back to playing Winston. I mean, what are you trying to learn from Andy Dalton at this point? Like, yeah, I agree. At least find I... out if Winston can recapture any of his younger days QB magic that he used to have. Yeah, Dalton. Had a pretty nice roller coaster last night. I mean, he <laughs> he he was all. I mean, obviously, he had two pick sixes. One of them was not his fault, um, but he he did make some really good throws. I was I was surprised. He's only thirty four years old, too, guys. It's not like he's ancient. Yeah, but you know, I, it comes back to what like what do they think their team is? Do they think they have a roster that can take Andy Dalton into a playoff run, or do they not? He. Well, no, 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 no. I don't. I don't think it's about that anymore at all. And I don't even think it's about finding out what Jameis is. I think you have to. Who they decide to play at quarterback is about developing the young guys they have from here on out. It's all about the future. I think you can make a pretty solid argument that Andy Dalton is probably better for Chris Olave. I think you can make the argument he's probably better for 
Rashid Shahid or Shahid Rashid, whatever his name is. Um, yeah. Dalton is a he's a more accurate passer that throws the ball in rhythm. He throws the ball with good timing and anticipation. Look, go look at Olave's twelve tar- or fourteen targets yesterday. Like the trust that they've already built, it's going to be great for Olave's confidence and his development. He looks like a veteran already, and a lot of that is because of Andy Dalton. When Jameis Winston was in the game, Olave he was tearing it up, but it was all on deep stuff. Yeah, basically all on deep. Like it was just Yolo balls after Yolo balls, and Olave looked like a legit number one receiver last night. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. we've praised him end, endlessly on this show, but it's like each week he's taking another step. And la- last night was proof of that. I mean, I mean, I wrote down some some notes on him, just like stuff you don't expect to see from rookies, like scramble drill. There's a couple yeah. times Dalton got out of the pocket where Olave's working back to the football. He looks like he's been in the NFL for five, six years already. The way he's, you know, moving and making it easy on his quarterback. Um, the way he's a, you know, he's sitting down his routes in zone and. That that timing that him and Dalton already have is crazy. You know, there's a lot of trust already being built there. So yeah, Winston might have more raw talent, but I think you know now. I mean, what what's Winston in year seven, year eight? Well, it's not like he's, he's what if he's Geno Smith? <laughs> he doesn't have the physical tools Geno Smith has. I sure. so listen. I do think Winston has got the opportunity he has right now because of his draft profile and people not wanting to have another Geno Smith. The thing with Winston is we've never gone a long stretch of time where we haven't seen him on the field. You know, I think he had a year, he played behind Breeze for a year, right? Or was it Teddy? Um, He played behind Breeze for a year, right? Yeah. 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 He sat behind. And he got some action that season. But from what they saw that year, they didn't then say, you know what? Jameis is our guy. (laughs) They signed Taysom Hill to a big extension, and he was supposed to be the guy last year. Yeah, so I, I don't think it's a big deal who they start. I, I mean, I probably disagree a little that uh, Andy Dalton is that much better for Olave versus Winston, but I don't think the it's the end of the world what you're doing at QB. It's more your what you're doing everywhere else. I mean, do you do yeah. you think there is there is there a specific player that comes to mind if if they if they decide hey we we need to start like trying to recruit recoup some assets here that they should try to move? Yeah, they have a bunch. Um, I'd start with Michael Thomas. If you get a clean bill of health on Michael <laughs> Thomas, yeah. if you can get him to pass a physical, I, maybe you even have to eat some of the contract. I don't know. But you, you try to find a team you can unload them to. The Chiefs, the Rams, I don't know. Somebody that feels like they need a little bit of gu- gusto and oomph. That's one. Uh, Landry would be another one. Oh yeah, you probably. Um, and they're not going to get anything probably, back for him. Yeah, they probably yeah, have to cut him, but yeah, that's I'd fine. Say, I'd say Demario Davis too. De- yep. Davis, um, Marcus what, Davenport. What about uh? What, what about Lattimore? I would tra- I would trade him in a second. Yeah, I and I'm I'm team cornerbacks matter like a lot, but yeah, that's and he's not he's not old or anything. So right, no, he's I not old, see. but he he makes a lot of money. Yeah. He's been very inconsistent for them. I think maybe a change of scenery could be in order. It kind of reminds me of, of um, Jalen Ramsey in Jacksonville. All the potential in the world, he'd have amazing games and then would just get absolutely nuked in other games. And you just could not figure out why. Yeah. Um, and then he goes to L.A. and kind of settles down a little bit. And I know he's had bad games here and there, but for the most part, he's a stud, you know. 
Yeah, it's been way more good than bad. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, what about um, one of their offensive linemen? Like Ram Ramchek's not young, right? Should be same age yeah. as he was, he, Lattimore, right around. No, there. no, no. He was a, he was a twenty five year old rookie. I say he's older. Oh, yeah. Okay. Lattimore was a twenty one year old rookie. There's a big di- yeah yeah. Ramchek is twenty eight. Oh, twenty eight. Um, he's got a lot of years ahead of him. He does. He's he's younger than I thought. I thought he was in his thirties. The uh, definite. I mean, again, I don't think they can get anything for him, but Camara would make a ton of sense. Obviously. Oh yeah. Well, especially, and we'll get into the CMC stuff, but it sounds like there are multiple teams in on that, and even two division teams in a bidding war over that. So maybe yeah. you now call the Rams and say, "Oh, you wanted CMC? We have basically the same guy." I mean, Camara yeah. and CMC are very close, and and what they do now, they they win in different ways, but what the things you can do with them is very similar. Yeah. Their overall um, usage profile. Yeah. So I would definitely call the Rams and say, hey, whatever whatever you offered for CMC, we'll, we'll do that for Camara and, yeah. and see where it goes. Like, if you get two seconds for Camara, that's a huge win, man. You get a, sec- a second for a running back. I think that's a huge well, win. Dude. Facts. <laughs> yeah, I mean. <laughs> if you can get more than you paid to get that running back, then you you're you're doing great. Especially, especially after you got five years out of him, five yeah, years of exactly. elite production. Uh, and I just think like that, that's one of those that it uh, might kind of screw things for the deadline. Cause I feel like that may have shot some value for like, just what team, like other teams will see this, see this deal now and they'll start to their value Will their value of things will change, and so hopefully it doesn't like make trades hard to get done come deadline time. Yeah, because that, yeah, that was quite that was a steep price to get for him. Yeah, should we should we just jump into that then? Yeah, let's think. I so Thursday night enough. Yeah, actually, one more point I wanted to make on Thursday night football. If Dalton doesn't have the the first pick six, the game's totally different. Obviously, I yeah, I really they, think the the Cardinals defense got exploited pretty good. And, and, I, uh, and that's kind of this Cardinals defense is not bad. I think it's de- they definitely have. There's some deep shots that teams have missed on them over the years, and the Saints hit one pretty early on to Shahid, right? They had a couple in that game. Yeah. yeah. So it definitely started to, but I I think they're one of those defenses that is better than we think it is. Not, It's definitely not you know the Cowboys' defense or anything, but I think they're solid. So one of the things I told you yesterday, Chris, was like, because I was playing props. I wanted to play something on an Olave over, and you were looking at it going – well, hey, the Cardinals have given up the fewest amount of deep passing this year in the league, and I was like, that doesn't seem possible. Like their their secondary is just not good. So I actually went and watched every deep target that they've had, and they've there was like one I think I told you that was good coverage on. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of overthrows, a lot of unforeseen circumstances that kind of inf- have inflated and propped up that number. So I was comfortable. I played the Olave over. 23 and a half yards, longest reception. That and pretty quick. <laughs> yeah, hit, 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 he did it a couple times as well. 
Um, and then Rashid Shahid had the long one. There was uh, was Kevin White's a deep target or was that intermediate? Uh, it was. So, yeah, I know it was a crossing route. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was close. I don't. That think was like it a was. six yard. It was like a. Oh, six was, it, was it only six? Okay, it shoot. was. It was pretty short. Yeah. But the theme of all game, I did all. The, I charted all the coverages this morning. The the thing I saw all game is that the Cardinals' coverage is just not tight at all. They play, they're playing a ton of zone, and there's just a lot of holes to be exploited. If they don't get home on the quarterback, like Dalton was just picking them apart, basically. Well, that's the thing. They they blitz a ton. I, yeah. I don't know where they rank now, but they knew they were one of like a top five blitz rate team. So their seems their philosophy is we know our secondary is going to have holes in it. We're just not going to let you yeah. get through your reads and find where that hole is, um, and we're just going to send it at you real quick and teams can teams can neutralize that a, a number of ways uh like screens being a big thing i know that the eagles like screen them to death i want to say they ran like 10 screens when the eagles played the cardinals um yeah well they play a lot of too high if you're gonna play too high you're gonna get screened to death yeah so but i, I still think they're you know i don't i don't think they're the defense from previous years where it was like an automatic gonna give up 30 plus points pretty much every way or like 25 plus yeah. Well, the crazy thing is that like, and this is, a, I mean, all the credit in the world to Vance Joseph over there because like they've pretty much improved in, on defense almost every year for the last like two or three years. I thought that this this year was the year that they were really going to take a downturn because I thought that their, I thought that their talent level, especially in the secondary, wasn't there. But like Vance Joseph has schemed this up in a way that. Their secondary isn't really getting exposed too much. I mean, you saw it yesterday where it started, like you said, the cracks started to show. But, like, on paper, this secondary should be getting torn up way more than it, than it has been. And, it, I mean, it's – yeah. Sure. They just – they scheme it up well. And I think Isaiah Simmons has kind of settled into his own a little bit. But it is – They have funny. athletes everywhere. That's yeah. true. They, like – and that's kind of their te- that's where they've built their team around is just kind of like athletic guys but it's just crazy how like little they've invested in the defensive side of the ball compared to the offensive side of the ball and how consistent their defense has been the last 3 years compared to their offense yep. I don't I don't know if this was a Saints specific game plan but I think Simmons probably played the least amount of off-ball linebacker snaps he played all season last yeah. year. Like, they were like doing a, something it's with him last night that was really fun where they're running some cover two, and instead of having a, a linebacker or a traditional linebacker fill that hole defender, that buck defender, yep. they were having Simmons do it. And the amount of range he has in that role is insane. So it basically played like a three-high safety look, but with you know cover two – properties and, and rules and it it was pretty effective actually um I, th- I think they only really gave up one big catch in that in that look and it was one of the uh, olave um it was like a an out that he set it down right between the linebacker and the corner it was it was a nice nice route but question for you guys uh i know we want to get to cmc but we talked a lot about the saints cardinals are now three and four and they've played some decent games recently mm-hmm is their season still a go? They got D Hop back. D Hop looks like D Hop again. Yeah, like I, are, they, are they still in it? Absolutely, I, they are. 
I was a big fan of this offense coming into the year. It would have been better if Hopkins wasn't suspended, but between him, Hopkins, Hollywood, um, Ertz, and the production, none of the running backs are necessarily special, but the production they can get out of them is good enough. Um, I'm not the biggest Cliff offensive play caller fan, but I <laughs> oh, think terrible. I think the pieces they have are very, very good when they're all together. Like I can't wait to see what Kyler can do. Hopefully Hollywood can get back and be, you know, effective. Um, I think on the broadcast last night, they were saying it's only supposed to be like, um, what was it? Six weeks or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So he's eligible to return in five weeks. Yeah. They have, they have a week 13 buy. So you could easily see a week 14 return for him. Yeah. If they're still in it. I mean, that makes this offense very dangerous. I mean, Hopkins, Hollywood, Rondell Moore, Robbie Anderson, Ertz, yeah. tons of weapons for Kyler to get the ball to. Yeah. AJ Green got benched last night on the week when when they lose. Obviously, they gained Hopkins, but they lost Marquise Brown, and then they decide yeah. to bench AJ Green. Yeah, I don't think he played a single snap last night. He did not. He didn't touch the field last night. Um, I'm just crazy. Yeah. Yeah, having I mean, it's the, good because yeah. he's washed. But having yeah. <laughs> Rondale, AJ, not AJ Green, having Rondale, Robbie Anderson, Marquise Brown, De- DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, that's probably one of the best receiving cores in the NFL. Yeah, yeah. If they're at, all healthy at full strength, absolutely. Yeah, Robbie Anderson's route tree was pretty funny last night. It was just all deep balls. <laughs> it was yeah. uh, there was nothing short of twenty five yards, but. Going back to your original question, absolutely, like, yes, I think the Cardinals are absolutely in this, and like they're full go, like, yeah, the Rams like, are in mess. Yeah, gas yeah. pedal all the way down because this is a division that could be won at ten and seven. Yeah. Like that's a very realistic possibility. The Rams look to be a mess. The Seahawks are a fun team, but they just don't have enough talent. They're just not going to be there. They're going to play in a lot. They're going to be close in a lot of games, but I like. You know, they just won't pull all of them out. And no. then San Fran, like, their defense is good, but they still have Jimmy G behind quarterback and or at quarterback, and he's shown to, like, throughout multiple regular seasons that, like, they're going to dump a, f- a few games just out of sheer, like, lack of offense. It, like, it ha- it's happened almost every year with Jimmy G, and, like, four to five games, their offense will just shut down and it, they end up losing like a 17, just, 17 to 10 game. Well, it, it wasn't as low scoring, but it just happened this past week against the Falcons. They got behind right. and there, there was just not a their offense just like really couldn't dig them out of it. Right. Exactly. And like, so the, like those games are going to happen with Jimmy G. So like that realistically, the Cardinals are, I think if they're in their, in their heads, it, between that and the NFC just kind of being not the best overall as well. Like, I think if you're the Cardinals, you're looking at this like, all right, things are turning around. Ten wins is the aim point right now. Like, if you're if you're a Cardinals fan or something, like you're looking yeah. at you're looking at ten wins, and that it that probably slides you into a wild card for sure, and potentially gets you the division. I agree. I think they're still in it. And it'll be interesting to see how it kind of unfolds. Because, you know, the, the 49ers not being able to come back from a deficit, that's um, 
so the way you fix that is you trade for a running back. So, <laughs> I mean, you, it's... you you know, if you, if you struggle in negative game scripts, then a, a new running back that costs a lot of money is definitely the way to, to fix that. So, um, I, I'm, I'm super curious to see how the 49ers now win every game because they fix all their problems. Yeah, Chris, what's uh, what was your like? What was your initial reaction when you saw this go down? What did you, what was your initial reaction to this trade? I thought, I mean, without even seeing the compensation, I thought this <laughs> this is probably a bad trade. Um, I was like, unless they got him for you know, a fifth round pick and maybe swap some other late round picks or something or something like that, which, but we just, we knew that wasn't going to be the cost to get him. So I was like, all right, so it's, right. it's a bad trade. I don't need to know what it is. I just, I know it's going to be bad, whatever it is. They, they have drafted Eli Mitchell, uh, Tyrion Davis price, Trey Sermon, all with day two picks over the past two years. They've watched every running back under the sun, Jeff Wilson, Raheem Mostert, all of those running backs I just mentioned. Um, Jordan Mason has looked okay this year, looked good in this offense, and then said, we need to mortgage our future. Yeah, Jamichael Hasty. CMC, without a doubt, is better than all of those players. 100%. And without a doubt, will can be better than they have been in that offense, but it just, I don't think it matters. It, it makes them a better team by like one or 2%. Um, and I didn't even realize this till just now. I was just looking at it that I totally forgot. They don't have a first round pick next year either. Right. They traded it to the dolphins. Right. So they have, they have, um, they don't have a first or a second next year. They traded one third, but I think they have, I think they got some extra third round picks from coaches leaving to go get yeah, those jobs. Yeah, for, uh, for the, the Sala and the McDaniel hire. Yeah, so so they do have some late one or two late third round picks even after this trade. But how how do how do they go? So they think they can win this year, obviously, which I don't totally blame them with the state of the NFC. Right. Um, but moving, I mean. I, how are they going to fix their QB problem moving forward unless they still have hope for Trey Lance? And also, and also, like, I saw someone say this on Twitter, and it was it's such a great point, but, like, the whole point of the Kyle Shanahan system is that you're not supposed to need to invest resources in running back. You're supposed to be able to just plug and play guys off the street and still have an effective running game because you have the linemen, because you have the exotic runs, because you mix in Debo Samuel, like you're supposed to not need to pay or go after a big name running back. You can like be the team that plays the, the six rounder, but they've continued like, but they've also gone like opposite of that with like all their day two investments into it. Um, yeah, I mean, that goes back to, to Mike Shanahan in Denver. So right. like, it didn't matter. It, whoever the starting running back in Denver was, you could literally count on them for like 1,000 yards and 10 touchdowns in fantasy. It did not matter. Yeah. Like, think about the, the 
cast of characters that have, that have gone for a thousand yards in that offense over the years, whether it was the Denver system or in Washington when they were doing it or now yeah. in, in San Francisco, it's just, it's pretty nuts, man. Um, and this is, I mean, this Alf, is Alfred spot. Morris went for 1500 yards as a rookie That's who I in that system undrafted. That was the first person that came to my mind was yeah. Alfred Morris. And this, yeah, this is the only spot where he, any, whether, I don't think his dad ever really heavily invested in running backs either, but definitely Kyle has definitely not really ever invested in running back until recently. Yeah. Drafted this regime's drafted six running backs. Yeah. And and then also signed guys like Tevin Coleman to big contracts, Jarek McKinnon to big contracts. Uh, They found Raheem Mostert off a a scrap heap and he ended up being the best one of all of them. (laughs) Did that start when Frank Gore finally retired? Because I know he was there when Shanahan first got there, and I don't. They were, I dra- yeah, they were drafting running backs when he was still there. Like okay, a lot. so it basically started dra- as soon as Kyle Shanahan got hired there. Yeah, they drafted Mark. Yeah. Wow, I mean, even the regime before them too. I mean, I th- I think I pulled the stat: it's fourteen running backs in fourteen years they've drafted. Wow. And some of them they've doubled. Like some years they didn't draft the running back, and there's years where they've drafted two or even sure. three. Huh. So you're, but you're saying that goes pre pre John Lynch. It goes pre John Lynch too. It's crazy. So they draft like multiple years in a row. They took a a day two or hot. Let's see, they, Michael James in the second round one year. Yeah. The next year, Marcus Lattimore in the fourth round. The next year, Carlos Hyde in the second round. The next year, Michael or Mike Davis in the fourth round. The next year, Kelvin Taylor. The next year, Joe Williams. Like it's literally insane. They draft running backs all the time. And like I and I don't think that's like I understand a day three investment in a running back just because the upside can sure. be there. So I I get that of like just throwing, you know, it just kind of throwing it at the wall and seeing, you know, if a guy sticks because, you know, a fifth, sixth rounder, you're not expecting to get a ton out of them necessarily. And running back has like the most potential for upside. I feel like for, va- yeah, for value, it's better than a like, special teams linebacker, right? Right. Yeah. Whose upside well, is only special teams. To to back up your point too, Steve. Like the two best running backs in that system since Shanahan's been there has probably been Raheem Mostert and maybe Jeff Wilson. Right. And they're both UDFAs. Also, you can look as recent as last year. They drafted Trey Sermon in the third round, high draft pick, and they drafted Eli Mitchell in the sixth round. The sixth rounder was better. So the system is designed to work no matter who's who's in there. The thing with the CMC trade that is specifically irritating is I don't think they will use him to his fullest capacity. Nope. So not only do they give up a bunch of assets um, – it's not really – they're not going to get the payoff that they would want. He's not going to be the Carolina CMC. For one, he's a lot older. I mean, he's still a relatively young guy, but he's old in running back years. He's dealt with injuries constantly since 2020. But they're, they lead the league in how few they target running backs. So they're, I should say they're last in the league in target, uh, target share for running backs. Last year, I think running backs only caught just over 50 passes the entire season. Mm-hmm. it's uh, unless they're having a philosophical change in the middle of the season, which is probably more alarming than people realize they're not going to get, uh, you know, what they want out of CMC or what they paid for. Yeah. So what do you, what do you, th- you know, you're, you're Kyle, you're in the room with Kyle Shanahan. He's asking you, Hey, I've got this player. What do we, what do we, 
what do we do to maximize his ability here? What do, what do you envision that offense being? Because like you said, they don't throw to the running back. So what do you, what do you, how, what are they going to remove and what are they going to add to make, to get the best out of him? Well, if, what would you do anyway? What would I do? <laughs> well, <laughs> um, that's tough because I wouldn't have put myself in this situation. But, right. Yeah. But um, let's, yeah. Yeah, John, John Lynch came to you and said, Hey, I traded for this guy. You got to make the most of him. I mean, I would try to implement some of the things Carolina did in the passing game with him. No, obviously he catches a ton of checkdowns for sure, but you can scheme him a little bit. He can play in the slot. Um, he can run some really cool routes out of the backfield, some Texas routes where he's getting, you know, if, you, yeah. if he's getting a one-on-one matchup with a linebacker, he, you should expect him to win that. But it only compounds the issue of now they have, they're a low pass volume offense and they have Debo Samuel, George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, now Christian McCaffrey, uh, Jawan Jennings. Yeah, I said Kittle. Yeah. Jawan Jennings is a pretty good player. They drafted a receiver in the third round this year and Danny Gray, who has hardly seen the field. Yeah. Um, they, I, I just don't see how this works. But I, I would probably, yeah, I would implement some of those, those past concepts. So who is it taking Maybe, away from the most, do you think? Well, exactly. That's I don't want to have to make that. I, I don't – throwing <laughs> the running backs not that valuable. I, I would much rather put the ball in Ayuk or Samuel's hands. So as far as the run scheme goes, you can – maybe switch it up a little bit, go to some more man gap concepts. That's McCaffrey is a between the tackles runner. Um, I know he's had success this year on some outside zone stuff, but he's not this stretch zone player that Shanahan probably thinks he is. I, it's yeah. con- That's confusing to me. It's like McCaffrey is a between the tackles runner. I know a lot of people think he's undersized, so he's not, but no, he is. That's where he's, he thrives. Um, so I would implement more power, some more counter, some pull lead stuff. I mean, they 49ers do a decent bit of pull lead. They usually, they usually use some pin pull stuff with like a stretch zone concept where they'll actually pull the play side tackle, which is a real fun concept they do, especially with Trent Williams because he's an animal. Um, I would try to get to more stuff like that where it's, it's gap and, and McCaffrey's got a hold ahead and he can make a, a linebacker miss in the hole and then, you know, generate some yards after contact that way. But if the pass game, Chris, I don't have answers for you. I don't, I don't know. I, do you I don't know. We, do you think we see a lot of, um, you know, McCaffrey, Debo are in the huddle together, but Debo's in the backfield and McCaffrey's lined up in the yeah. slot or something? Yeah. I was You've been seeing them do that, that with, with Eli and with uh, Wilson. Do you think that is what maybe Shanahan most valued in this, is that when he lined up Mitchell or Wilson out wide, they weren't the receiving threats that he – would have wanted to do that with and do you think there's value in that do you, does it matter that that they weren't that great of pass catchers and McCaffrey is minimal value it's it's basically an expensive ass decoy is what it is and, but, uh, and at that point it's like okay just go like why why don't we just go invest in a slot receiver <laughs> go pay <laughs> go pay a quarter of the price and go get a slot receiver from someone that has upside or something like that <laughs> They have it's one like, of the best slot receivers in the game too, in Debo. So it's frustrating that, when they move Debo to the backfield. Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I know, I know. It's, Without yeah. having to come out in with um, with no running backs in the huddle because they want to keep uh, in the deep the opposing defense an extra linebacker on the field or something. Is Kyle yeah. Shanahan just going to go? Yeah. Is he just going to go full gadget and just it's just going to be a free for all on their offense? Is that what's going to happen? 
It's just gonna be <laughs> it's just gonna be Debo and McCaffrey motioning twenty four seven, just like wide receiver runs. Ball, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> like they're gonna play they're gonna play a a version of the wing T, just or uh, honestly just the Veer offense. And then they yeah, have I, the best probably receiving fullback in the NFL in use check. Right. True. Oh my god, that's a great point. He's, he is I mean, he's kind of just like a bigger, slower McCaffrey. In a lot or of a ways. smaller George Kittle. Yes. Yeah. yeah. He's a, that's a great example. There's he's like between he's between McCaffrey and Kittle. Yeah. They're the he's three like, evolutions of each other. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. They've got they're like different weight classes, you know, for right. Kittle's I, the one I that do, I've I feel for the most because I feel like he's got so much talent and there's just I don't see how he can possibly be viewed I mean he'll always be viewed as an elite tight end but like his production is just not gonna I don't think I don't see how it remotely lives up to the Andrews the Kelsey's I mean yeah that's just where they like seem to be pulling targets from it's like everybody asks like okay this person's healthy where where are those targets gonna come from well they're all coming from Kittle like yeah yeah i i do think it's probably a health thing with him they're trying to keep him preserved i imagine that at some point in the season they will unleash him i would hope so my hope um going back to the cmc thing though i do think a lot of people are overthinking this i think we have to we a lot of times we naturally give coaches benefit of the doubt like i see this this tweet all the time so and so wouldn't have spent so and so to not use him this way like, what are you talking about? We see coaches make that mistake all the time. Right. We see coaches draft guys in the first, second round and never use them. So I don't think it's as simple as saying, well, they wouldn't have given up all those picks if they're not going to use McCaffrey the right way. Like, you don't know that. Shanahan is as stubborn as they come as a play He's caller. Most... <laughs> he does right. not change what he does. Right. I, I, so I think it's as simple as this. We already talked about their their struggles in negative game script situations. I think Shanahan's looking at it like, okay, cool. Well, so if we start games and we we run the ball a little bit more efficiently, we won't get in those negative game script situations because we'll extend drives and we'll score points. I think it's an old school mindset. He's one of the weirdest coaches in the NFL because he is this young breed play caller with great play designs. Or I shouldn't say play caller, play designer. He's a great play designer, has really cool concepts, very innovative, yet the way he calls the plays is very old school in nature. Yeah. So it's like this these two tensions. It's like he has his dad in him too much, but he's very forward thinking at the same time. It's like we I just want him to unleash all those cool designs and all those cool concepts and just, you know, ramp it up in the pass game. And I know Jimmy's not great, but I think he can do it. And I I really think that this trade's gonna bite them in the butt because I think they're they're gonna double down and they're gonna they think they've now perfected the run game. And they're going to run the ball even more than they were. And they, yeah, sure, they'll get cutesy and creative with it here and there. You know, they'll they'll put CMC in the slot with Debo in the backfield. Sure, they'll they'll do that a few times a game, but that's it's not a needle mover for me. So overall, I think this is a big time whiff for them. Do they make it farther than the, they did last year? The, do they win the NFC Championship game this year? They could just because the NFC is sort of junky, but it's not because of this. Not because of this. Yeah, it will. I also, yeah. I hate con- being uh, conspiratorial about things also, but part of me, I can't help but feeling like maybe this was an emotional decision because the Rams were in on this, because <laughs> they're a division opponent and they're probably 
you know, until last night with the Cardinals having a good game, they're probably the biggest threat to you not winning your division. So if, I, I feel like Lynch probably heard that and was like, well, I can't let them get McCaffrey. I'm going to get him. You Do the Rams even have draft picks to give? Is that, I wonder if that, that's what I'm trying to look up. And even while, you're, first. while you're looking that up, like, even that, that point extends to the Rams. Like, why are the Rams even involved here? Of all, have, the, of all the things that the Rams have yeah. issues with right now, how how in the world does do less need and McVeigh well, come, come away with it and say it's running back that's the issue? Well, Steve, anytime you have a massive pass protection woes, the best way to fix that is to trade for a running back. Right. Like, I'm sorry, but this isn't <laughs> a. This isn't 19. This isn't the 1990s anymore. And B, you're not. You're not trying. Like, as much as that, like. Every once in a while, the, the nickname Derry Sanders will roll around, but like, there's no there's no running back in the league that's offensive line proof. No. Like, there's there's really not. Like how I, there's it just doesn't exist right now in the NFL. There's a lot of good running backs, but there's not like that guy that you can point to where it's like doesn't matter. Plan him in there; he can get you yardage. And so, like, how are the Rams getting involved in thinking like that's a running back that's gonna that's going to take us to the next level. So the Rams have, they could have matched this, the the deal the Niners gave them. They have their second and third round pick. And then they don't have a fourth. They don't have a fifth. They've got some six and late round seventh picks. They have all their 2024, early 2024 picks. So they could have matched it, but basically they would not have selected a draft pick until round six next year. If they, they matched it. Well, and the rumor was that it wasn't necessarily the price that kicked the Rams out. It was oh, uh, really? it was the fact that the Rams had to be conscious of they want to do other moves at the deadline was what I hmm. read was that it wasn't necessarily the price. It was the price. It was the price with the caveat that like we want to they want to spend in other places. So. That's it. So, I mean, I, I expect, I think we all expected the Rams to be active at the deadline, but I, um, I, I think that, the, I guess that that was part of it. That was in play as to why they did not end up coming through as the team to make the trade. Interesting. All right. Well, let's do this. So, I do have a hard out this morning, gentlemen. Yes. So, we can't extend this too long, but I don't think the 49ers were the best fit for CMC. And I'm, inclined to say 90% of NFL teams shouldn't be acquiring running backs for the price that the 49ers paid, especially when he has the contract he has. But with that said, was there a team that CMC made more sense for? I have one in my mind, maybe two. I mean, Buffalo is that's, that's a team. I was going to throw or KC, honestly, but I mean, yeah, throw uh, Philly out there as well. And that's you're a homer, but that but that's but that is it's um it's like who what teams if they don't already have it like what teams that are contending what position can they afford to like luxury have have a luxury at and that's running back but none of those teams I I think are all those three teams in particular are smart enough to not remotely give that up so right. it would have happened uh, oh whoa 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 the chiefs drafted clyde edwards alaire in the first freaking round that was they... all mahomes remember mahomes wanted it. Dude, 
<laughs> that that set their franchise back low key, but the Bills are probably smart enough to not do it. And that staff is familiar with McCaffrey, obviously. Yeah. And they yeah. they were rumored to be the first team in on it, but I think when they saw the price tag, they're probably like, "What the? No." But they would have used him the best. I'm confident Absol- in that. Absolutely, because they they do quite a bit of dump offs and throws, and getting guys in space too. Yeah, and throws to the running back. So that would have I think that would have worked well. The Eagles would have worked incredibly, but I don't think the Eagles were ever in because Howie Roseman is not. Yeah, in the, he made uh, he made the call and then heard you want. Okay, never mind. Yeah, right. He's he like, oh, I was going to offer a seventh, but my bad. He, say, he, heard <laughs> he, he, he heard he couldn't fleece them, so he got out of there real quickly. Yeah. Yeah. I think he traded for Jay Ajayi that Super Bowl year, and that was like a fourth-round pick. So, yeah. And Jay Ajayi was definitely not McCaffrey, but he was still pretty good that year. So, yeah, like, was that, was probably, yeah. that was probably around his ceiling for what he would have traded. <laughs> Poor guy. I, I love Jay Ajayi. He, when he was with the Dolphins, man, that dude was just an absolute freak. He just had a, a chronic knee condition that mm-hmm. yeah. everyone kind of knew his time in the NFL was very limited. And man, but I, I wish he would have got one massive payday just to yeah. just to go out in a blaze of glory. But he got close. Yeah. Even then, with Buffalo, though, I would I even similar to the Rams, not as similar, but. Again, I would invest in offensive line over going to get a running back. Like I think that okay, great concept. Who's trading a good offensive lineman though? I mean, it's true, but like, you know, again, giving up assets yeah. for this guy, I don't think brings it. Like, again, because even with like Buffalo, he adds value. He adds more value in in Buffalo than he would San Fran, or than he does in San Fran. But like, even then, wow, how much does he move the needle in Buffalo? And just and this is all getting down to this is all getting down to like running back value and how certain teams perceive it. But yeah. like even then, like in Buffalo, does he move it like two percentage points more than he does in San Fran? Right. Which is always what it comes down to with with running backs, right? right. I have a fun hypothetical for you though, Steve. Yeah. So let, let's say the Lions go out and get Molly whopped by the Cowboys on Sunday. <laughs> And they're staring down the barrel of a one in five record with, you know, just very meh. Yeah. And the Rams call you and say, "Hey, we'd like to acquire Taylor Decker." What what uh what would you need back for that to happen? Would you do? Oh, first of all, would you even do it? Would you even entertain the phone call? No, I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't. They, okay. they don't have all it. Right. They don't have the. They don't have what you would need to do to trade it. Right. Okay, so Chris, what do you think it costs then? Uh, probably a first round pick to start. So, but you're, you, they, ha- you're they have their twenty twenty four pick. That's what I'm saying. You, are you willing to punt that off to twenty twenty four? I would well, say they already got the twenty twenty three pick. So right, I know, but that's what I I don't I if I was the Lions, I would be I wouldn't want to wait till twenty twenty four for that for me to get value out of that trade. What if you could get the second this year and the first next? So then the, you're the lines you're looking at what that's probably not, four top top yeah, forty picks again. That's not bad. I would it probably would depend on if the lines think how good the Rams are and where those picks fall. Yeah. So the reason this even gets talked about for those um, needing context <laughs> is Panay Sewell was, you know, a phenomenal left tackle in college, and he's he's a he's probably the second best right tackle in football next to Lane Johnson. 
and he's only he just turned 22 years old. He had 22 career starts before his 22nd birthday. Yeah, um, which is pretty cool. So th- there's a lot of people out there, a, a big conglomerate of people that think he should move back to the left side at some point to get your you know your money's worth out of him. But I don't necessarily buy that. I'd, I'd rather have Decker and Sewell than. Uh, so if, if I were the Lions, I probably wouldn't do it. But I think it is a conversation. People will start having if the Lions uh, take another tough loss this week. So, but and yeah, the Lions are they lack talent, so trading talent makes no sense. Offensive and, line and, is probably the one position when you're tanking where I don't think it makes sense to trade, right? Unless he's like actually you know 32 or something like that. Like it, yeah, your offensive line is so important for the development of your offense. Also, like trading proven talent for unproven talent at a like a at a high value position because like if you think like you know the the people say like the building out of a team like top positions are like corner quarterback left tackle and then you know you can move to some other spots but like those two are up there at the top and so like if you have someone at left tackle that's a proven value like yeah, it'd be silly. It'd be silly to give it up when there are, you know, how many, how many, how many left tackles in the NFL? Can you like put a stamp of approval and say like I trust on ninety yeah. percent of snaps? For me, the, I, the hierarchy is quarterback, and then I have like a, a second bucket of wide receiver, corner, tackle, edge, pass rusher, right? Um, and then everything else after that doesn't matter. Um. But yeah, I don't. Also, when you're team building, like the Lions are in a specifically are in a spot where they might be adding a quarterback in the draft, right? It's like you want to give him the best chance to succeed possible, and having two elite tackles is probably a good start with doing that. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I and think the, everyone kind of realizes that, but and that's just Still like the, the value the value of having a elite to almost elite player at a position is that it then makes filling the positions around that person easier. Like if you have an elite wide receiver, the other guys you get at wide receiver don't necessarily need to be as good because you get more value out of the elite receiver An elite tackle. Like you can put a little bit less than guard next to him and still get away with it. I mean, the Lions did it on the opposite side with Sewell starting Stenberg for a while like with that same thought process of like, okay, Sewell's good enough that he can kind of cover up some of the woes that Stenberg has in the passing in the, in like pass pro. And so like, there's so much value that just goes beyond just, that goes beyond just the player when you have an, like an elite or close or like semi elite player at a position. Right. Oh, sweet. Um, We did this in an hour. Not bad. Any closing thoughts from you guys? Anything you want to throw out there? Oh, I think we pretty much covered it. There yeah. was a lot to talk about from a a game that honestly wasn't that close and and the the CMC trade helped. Yeah. Yeah, what a what a funny what a fun like late night drop as Thursday night football is coming <laughs> to a close that that trade drops at like 11 p.m. That'll probably be the most exciting Thursday night football moment we'll have all season. <laughs> Although next, next week's game looks to be like it has potential, but which is what uh, Tampa Bay Baltimore. Okay, so there's potential there, but like I can live with that. Overall, 
This week, this week's a real sicko week for football. Like, this is this is a real tester of everybody's. How much do you really love football? Because there's some <laughs> um, there's some dicey games on the slate. So, some games that like there's... you look at it and it's like, wow, I don't even know. I don't even know where to start to even care about this game. Yeah, but, I don't think there's a one p.m. game where I'm like. Oh, I can't wait to see what this team does against. Right, this team. but hopefully this is just one of those weeks where we get a bunch of crazy finishes and it redeems itself. And it's you know I think we had it like we kind of had that a couple weeks ago where it was a really bad slate, and but there were a lot of good finishes in the one o'clock slate, so it redeems all. True, I mean yes, if the games are competitive, it will end up being a good slate. It just it's not sexy right now. I don't no. look at this and go, I, no. I, get the, I get the signals <laughs> from this. So. <laughs> but no, you get all that. right, fellas. Let's get out of here. Yep. Okay, I am your host, Brett Whitefield, with my usual co-host, Stephen O'Rourke, and our guest, Chris Wecht, and we are out. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Fantasy Points Podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite platform, and come join the roster at fantasypoints.com.